Hi guys, welcome to season two, episode nine of the Man Be Fat podcast. I am joined as ever by co-host, producer extraordinaire, uh, Man Be Fat football coach, Man Be Fat HQ member, um, Ukrainian uh, king. What are we calling you there? Ukrainian king. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's just like every podcast you try, you try to get one more accolade in. So I think just stopping there. This Ukrainian yeah, cool dude. Call, what uh, that'll do? Ukrainian um, oligarch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and just all round top bloke, good egg, Mr. Roman Conrad. How are we, Roman? I'm uh, I'm pretty happy now. You just uh, given me all them titles. So uh, so yeah. Um, don't know about producer extraordinaire. I think the listeners have listened to the quality of this podcast and think, oh, okay, he's not great then. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. But no, don't, how are you? Don't, how... don't give yourself a disservice, Roman. I think that in the in the three years we've been doing this podcast, um, that it's it's gradually got better. It's only well, took three years. That, well, yeah, it's only took three years. We'll like the listeners to give a poll, just say how, how good it's got. We'll we'll see. How are you, Stu? Anyway, how are you? I'm I'm all, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm um, I'm excited. I'm excited that we've got a bit of um, bit of hope. If I'm honest, we've got some dates setting for just everything to get back to a relatively normal kind of um, life again. I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And uh, since the announcement uh, for Man Fat went out um, the other day. Um, the WhatsApp group's just lit up um, and everybody is, is, is cannot wait to kick a ball again and have a game of football and it's just going to be the best thing ever. Celebration time, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, well, I'll, I'll ask you this one question, Rob. 21st of June, what's the first thing you're going to do that you couldn't do right now? Um... Have a barbecue about a few friends around. A bit of a bash in the, in the garden. I'm not going to go to a pub because every every person is going to go to the pub and they're just going to be in the, sat in a beer garden and sat just having a good drink. I, I'm not because I'm just going to wait for that to die down a little bit. Um, just being sensible head on. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm missing a barbecue. And since lockdown, obviously I've moved from a flat to a house, but I moved house at the end of summer last year. So, um, and before we knew it, lockdown had hit again, so we couldn't have a barbecue, couldn't anything like that. So this this time, I'm gonna go out to B and Q or wherever, buy a decent barbecue, go to the butchers, buy some decent meat. It's not gonna be no 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 cheap crap. I'm gonna make sure that it's gonna be done properly, it's gonna be marinated properly, and I'm gonna have a, just a good barbecue, and I'm gonna invite my, my family around and just just have a just a a face to face catch up. Yeah, sounds good. It sounds good. A uh, couple of beers. Uh, fair few beers. Fair few beers. Fair few beers. I've penciled in July the 10th to get with my mates and go, and go out and have a big one. Yeah. Drinking. You know how we do, Ron. Yeah, we, we drink we drink from four o'clock and we go home at eight. So uh, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> what it's like. Before you next year, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and then we still get a three-day hangover. Obviously. So we've got a really special guest on today. Uh, let me introduce him. Tom Chapman is the founder and the CEO of the Lions Barber Collective. And we're here to talk about what the Lions Barber Collective is, what they do, um, and, and how they're helping men up and down the country and women up and down the country as well. Tom, welcome. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a uh, real pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to this one, especially. I love what you do in Man vs. Fat. A few of my uh, my friends have done that and... Uh, and succeeded in their weight loss and love it. And uh, it's something that I probably didn't need before lockdown, but definitely do post lockdown. That's what we're, that's our hope. <laughs> that our client base has probably at least uh, increased by a third during the last yeah. 18 months. Well, yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and hopefully, you know, I mean, uh, my team's Arsenal and the way they're playing, I might be able to get in the team if I have a kick about every now and then. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a good chance. There's a good chance. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I read on the internet on your website that you talk e-based. 
So I'm a Stockport County fan, you see, and Torquay at the top of our league at the moment. So I didn't know if you were a Torquay yeah, fan. Well, yeah, I mean, Torquay United, I mean, I'm obviously I've been up there for a long time because you can't, but uh, I haven't been up there for my, my salon was literally around the corner from the stadium. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I did go up there a fair bit. It's a good laugh. It's a bit of a crack being on the stands there. It's a bit old school, isn't it? It's like you have a, a bit of banter with everyone, take the mick out of the players a bit, have a laugh, you know, interact, as opposed to when you go to Arsenal, you're not allowed to stand up, you're not allowed to talk, you're not allowed to do anything. It's too corporate. So, yeah, it's a bit of nostalgia about going up to something like Torquay, especially when they're playing good football like they are now, which is quite rare uh, down there on the uh, southwest coast. Um, and the Riviera, there's yeah. most of your... The Riviera, it's literally just started chucking it down, literally hammering down. I'm like, oh God, I'm glad I went for well, I went out for my walk this morning, saw those palm trees shivering in the in the cold. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I found it really weird. I think the, the weather over the last week, like literally since uh, since uh, Boris Johnson's announcement, I think the weather's been amazing. I think it was, it was just teasing us. Stunning. I yeah, think the, stunning. The 21st of June is probably going to piss down and it won't stop pissing down for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, about two years. It's been, it, to be honest with you, I think we've been quite lucky with lockdown, really, the weather-wise. I mean, at least, like, a majority of my memory of lockdown is a little bit blurry because of alcohol, probably, at some points. But it's, it's, it was, I remember it being nice. I remember the weather being nice quite quite often and being able to get out for walks. And I'm really, really, really privileged and lucky that I live by the sea and I can walk to the sea and I can see the sea from my window. And it's that I'm so lucky and, uh, to have that. Um, but I, I can remember, we've, I mean, if it had been chucking it down all year, if we'd had a really bad summer, it would have been so much worse. I think they wouldn't be able to get out and about and get, go for a walk or, I mean, I'm fed up of going for walks, but, you know, it's nice to get outside, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that, that's really evident between lockdown one and lockdown two. So mm. that winter lockdown. Now this one, this one's been. I don't know about you guys. I think this one's been really hard. I think it's been really yeah. hard compared to the summer one, where everyone was like, "Yeah, let's all Party. do TikTok and get <laughs> drinking." And yeah, well, I think, I think as well this this one. I think we've we've kind of been beaten down a bit now. People are starting to like every time we have a lockdown, you've lost a little bit more hope and a little bit more. And then they say, "Oh, well, it's gonna it's gonna be all right by this date," and it's not. And then it's not again. It's not again. I mean, even you know with what's happened now, we've a lot of people. Hit, like April twelfth is when the barbers and hairdressers can open up again. So any dates I remember is April twelfth, June twenty first, and they have said this is if everything goes to plan. Mm. It's not definite. So there are chances it will move. And I think we, but everyone's kind of hanging their hat on those dates, hoping for the best. And I think if it happens again, we're just going to be, a lot of people are going to be defeated and yeah. deflated. And just, it's so hard, isn't it? I think it's getting worse and worse. And I personally have, I feel a bit guilty saying it, but I've enjoyed the lockdown in the sense I haven't normally in real world life, I'm traveling around cutting hair, like in, in beautiful places. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's lovely to go to Brazil and Hawaii and Australia to cut hair, but it's very lonely as well. I'm by myself mm. on a plane, the plane state, the train, the airports became my bus station. Do you know what I mean? I was there so often. It was like, it's not like when you go on holiday and it's really exciting to go to the airport. It's like, Oh, here we are. stuck at Gatwick again at 5am, you know, the delayed flight. Um, but I've been able to stay at home this past year see my kids put them to bed every night not on facetime and and connect with my family a bit more and and focus on the charity lions bible collective as well which i would never been able to do 12 months ago 18 months ago i, I wouldn't have the time to do it and it's enabled us to grow a lot more and take steps towards sustainability training more hairdressers you know barbers and and hopefully helping to save lives or help with people's mental well-being yeah and i think that that's the thing i think that um it's, it's very easy to say that the past 18 months been crap um and, and in general i think they probably have for a lot of people but i think there has, been some, crap at times, yeah, I think there has been some really really positive things that, that have come come out of this lockdown and i'd love to, to be able to look three years in the future and see where we're at as a collective as, as you know where we're all at as a country uh, where we're all at as a planet yeah. You know, on the other side, so I think it's going to be really, really interesting the way we work, the way we socialise, the way we interact. It's going to be really, really interesting. Well, it's a giant shared experience, isn't it? You know, it's, it's one of these things like the last time this nation had the shared experience was during the war. And now this is a global shared experience. And think about it, you know, the people you share experiences with, you grow stronger and closer through those things, don't you? You know, if you go like the same talking about me traveling by myself, it's fantastic traveling by myself, going to Brazil. When I come home and tell my missus how amazing Rio was, she don't care. She don't want to know because she's, she's like, I've been stuck here with the kids. You've been in Rio 
eating pastel and drinking caipirinhas and sat on the beach, you know. Um, but you know, when you go on holiday with a group of mates, you come back and you have that shared experience and it brings people close together. So I just kind of hope that this shared experience of getting through COVID together when we get out the other side will hopefully unite the nation and potentially the world. Although shared experiences don't necessarily mean we had the same experience. We've all had a different experience during COVID and we all have, we'll only ever know our own way through life because we can only see things through our eyes. But um, there's something about being able to... Uh, connect with others over something like this i think definitely definitely so let's talk about live vibes collective uh, yeah. for our listeners who, who majority probably wouldn't have ever heard of lines by the collective don't know what you do explain to us what what the lines bars collective is i don't have much idea what i'm doing either to be honest with you so i just make up as a go along <laughs> welcome, welcome to the club mate <laughs> <laughs> it's everyone there it is everyone i joke i'm learning every day which is fantastic but the lions bible collective it stemmed from I had a, a, a meeting with a guy, walked in, bumped into him on the street, a friend of mine, known him for years and years and years. Conversation, small talk, parted our ways. A few days later, I was just going to, going to sleep. I had a notification on my phone, um, just as I was putting my phone down to say that that, that lad that I'd met in the street and bumped into and uh, had actually taken his own life. And it was a massive shock for me. Um, I've known him for a long time. We had a conversation. He'd been come back from traveling. There was, you know, nothing. I didn't spot anything anyway. And, he, and yeah, and to find out that he'd taken his life at 27, it was just horrendous. It was the fact that somebody, for my first sort of time of ever experiencing anything like that. And uh, I, sat, I sat up in bed all night asking myself loads of questions like, why would he do that? Why would you, why, what, you know, what, why, when? And also I asked myself, what if, what if I had been able to do something when I, when I saw him in the street? Would it, what if I could notice or recognize that something was going on with him? What if I'd asked him, how are you, are you feeling bad? Are you suicidal? You know, all those kind of things. And would I have known what to do? And the answer is, no, I have no idea what to have done. If I'd asked someone they're suicidal or struggling with something, I had no idea. And then we went to his funeral and I was the f one of the first few to not have a seat because it was so packed out in there. And I was still at the front next to his coffin looking back at the crowd, which is a really unique, weird position to be in in a, in a funeral. Normally you look at the back of someone's head and the person speaking and you interact with perhaps the people very close to you. But I just had, I, I still I can still see it now, that, that room full of faces of people that are just, that loss, love, care, distress, all those people there. And he felt he was so alone. He had nothing to do to solve it apart from taking his own life. And that was really impactful for me. And I thought we need to do something about this. And fast forward about 12 months later, I decided to, uh, being a barber, I decided to set up and being reasonably well-known within the industry, set up a, a project where I was the idea is I collect loads of barbers, get them all together. It was like herding cats, to be honest with you, which is ironic that we're called the lions now, but it was like herding cats and um, trying to organize them to create a, a photo of a haircut that they would do that we would collaborate and create like a catalog. So, you know, like we go to the barber shop and go, oh, I'll have number two, please, or whatever. It'd be like a, a more version of that and then sell it and raise money for charity got them all together i didn't know what charity to raise money for a lot of them were talking about different things and it was always it always came back to male cancers testicular cancer prostate cancer i was like i can name i could reel off loads of charities about that i wanted to do something different that raised awareness and one of the guys said suicide prevention i just thought how did i not realize that because i'd lost a friend to suicide and I couldn't tell you, I'd been affected, but I couldn't tell you about anything. I didn't even know there was things. I, like, I, knew, I knew Samaritans was a thing, but I didn't really know what it was. And I thought, how many people out there are struggling, have lost someone, don't know where to turn, and, and, and completely unaware. So that's why we went with suicide prevention to start off with. But that one-off project ended up being something much bigger as I realized that you know barbers and hairdressers are in a fantastic position. It's been joked about that we're a poor man's therapist forever, way, way before I started cutting hair. And the reality is we are a big part of people's lives, especially if you've got a regular barber you go to. We, we, we have to listen. We have to know what to do with your hair because if you come in and say, I want a little bit off the top and I shave your head, you're going to be pretty upset. So we need to be able to listen, start off with. So we're good at that. We have human touch. We license to touch. I mean, how many people fondle your beard and put their hands through your hair? There's not many, is there? And or would you let hold a cutthroat razor to your neck? Um, so there's that as a huge level of trust. And we're there for all those big parts of people's lives, first dates, engagements, wedding days, 
christenings, you know, uh, all these, but we're also there for like low points as well, like redundancies, divorces. We, we, when people are going through big moments in life, they go and get a haircut. So I realized very quickly that we are that, we are quite important to the communities and we could be better. So the Lions Bible Collective has grown and our main things that we do now is we raise awareness and we do that through things like this, obviously, events, speaking. We're going to do pop-up barbershops, which we were doing before lockdown, but we're going to be doing them again. We've just been on the phone this morning to the people in uh, Wales Public Health and we're going to be up there doing some stuff at Cardiff Blues and Cardiff City. We we're actually meant to be in the stadium cutting hair in the stands, but in the build-up to the game last year, before no year before, just before lockdown, gutted we didn't get to do that. It would have been great fun. Um, but then the other thing we do is we educate. So we have barber talk and hair and beauty talk, and we train hair and barbers, hairdressers and barbers and beauticians how to recognize the signs that someone may be struggling. Ask the right questions, questions, because we always say things like, you're right, mate, how's it going? But we don't actually mean that. It's just a hello. So asking great questions, listening with empathy and without judgment, not telling people we know how you feel because we don't. We have no idea how anyone else feels. So tell them we don't know how you feel, but we're here to listen without judgment. And then finally, help, help to help. So giving people that, we call it a keep safe connection list, but it's sort of a, a directory of resources that are available because we're not trying to make you into doctors. We're not trying to make you into therapists, but we can bridge the gap between the communities we serve as the hairdressers and barbers and the resources available. We're on the front line and hairdressers and barbers are everywhere, completely accessible. Anyone can go into a barber. They're on the smallest village, high street to the biggest city town, and there's no judgment about going to get a haircut. Whereas if you're going to go and get a, go to a, if someone said to you, you got to go to a psychiatrist, you're instantly thinking they're going to lock me up. I'm going to, they're going to call me mental. I'm going to get, you know, prescribe diagnose lose my job lose my family and it's all the anxiety around it but you can come and have a haircut and offload and a lot of the time that's all we do we just listen to people go on like oh god covid's done my head in lockdown's done my head in the missus the kids the job the whatever it is and that alone is enough to help with people's mental well-being right, i'll let you have a go now sorry <laughs> this year man v fat is raising money for shooting stars children's hospice Due to COVID-19, are having to stop providing end-of-life and emergency respite for so many families who are still relying on them during this difficult and challenging time. If you'd like to find out more information about this amazing charity, then head over to manbefat.org to find out more. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, I think it's it, it's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and... Uh, it is, it is what really rang true what you were saying there, Tom, is that um, there is a, a mad level of trust that people put in their hairdressers and barbers. Um, and they're really, really loyal as well. Like, I <laughs> I get my hair cut off a, off a regular barber and um, it, it's really, really good and I have done for a number of years. And we talk and then we talk football and, you know, yeah. you're going away this year, guys, yeah, I'm going so-so. Um, and the thing is, so he's he's very successful. He runs a really good barbers and he's got a barber school upstairs. So he doesn't cut Amazing. that much hair. So what he did is he put his prices up. He put his prices yeah. up and he's like, I don't need to cut that much hair. I'll do the odd bit. So I was still going to him and Mrs. was going mad. She was going absolutely mad. Like, how can you pay? You know, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expose myself here. But how can you pay like 45 quid for to, just to get your hair and beard done? You know, you can get that done for like 15 quid down at another place. I was like, you don't understand. You don't understand. Yeah. Like, it, the, the level of loyalty that's there is, 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 it's unbelievable, really. Because I trust him. I trust him not to, you know, fuck my hair up. And, and, and obviously, <laughs> lockdown has caused me to shave, shave it off. But, um, but yeah, you know, there's nothing worse than, than going to a bad barber's and them going, do you like it? And you used to go, yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm getting out of thinking, oh, it's messy. It's not oh, so I cry. Yeah, it's messy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but then it's, it's really important. You, it's really important you say that, you know, for, and it's funny because a lot of the time it's the other way around, isn't it? Blokes whinging at their missus for spending 150 quid for a haircut. But women do spend a lot more on their hair, don't they? Do you know what I mean? For cuts and colours. And, and I think 45 quid, you know, you're probably in there, what, 45 minutes to an hour, something like that. I mean, how much would a therapist cost for an hour? Yeah. Um, yeah. And plus you're not getting your haircut. So I think it's, you know, it is a big thing. And, you know, there we did a, we did a survey ages ago with a, um, a hair product company um, asking men really about barbers and doctors. And, and most people 
have the same barber, but most people don't have the same doctor. They don't know, they, you know, you go and see that you don't have that family doctor anymore. You don't build that relationship. You go in, it's a different person every time. It could be anyone. They could be a locum. They could be, I mean, I, I treated myself to a vasectomy for Christmas for myself. That was my present to myself. But I had to try and find out who uh, who my doctor was to call. And my GP, God knows where they are now, but the surgeries had merged and moved to the different town next to us. And I, So it took me about half a day just to find out who I needed to speak to. Whereas, you know, if you've got a barber, you can go down to your barber and you can talk to him. I'm not obviously not going to go talk to your barber and get a sort of book of a vasectomy, but it's just a, it's just a, not really going to the days of the barber surgeons, you know, they used to, you know, they used to perform surgery barbers. Really? Uh, that was, yeah, that's why the red and white pole is, it's the blood on the, and the, the bowls used to do, uh, Things like teeth pulling and minor surgeries, bloodletting, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, that's uh, wow. back in the day. So that's why there's a livery uh, club in London, the city of London, called the Barber Surgeons. And now it's all mostly ex-surgeons, and they look like they were they would look after the the city's barbers originally. And there was a date I can't remember the exact date in fourteen hundred or something where they were stopped. They weren't allowed to do certain amounts of surgery. They weren't allowed to keep the blood in the windows and all that stuff anymore. And it was kind of separated, but barbers and surgeons actually have a, have a history together. And uh, it was all founded by Henry VIII, I feel. Um, there was, uh, we, we went to the Barber Surgeons Hall. So it's an it's ancient thing, really. But it's weird how this, what we're doing now, barbers and, ser- barbers and medicines coming back together again in the mental health not the yeah. physical health platform. So it's a kind of like a big 360, a big circle coming back around again, which is yeah. quite interesting. The more things change, the more they get the same, that's what they say. Yeah, that's it, yeah. But I'm not going to be doing vasectomies in the chair anytime soon. Not yet. No, not yet, not yet. <laughs> that's a lot of trust. That's a lot of trust, that one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just getting your wang out. Just, uh, yeah, just... Um... A short back and sides of a vasectomy, please. <laughs> Is that a short back and side on your pubes, mate, as well? As well. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I'll have a, I'll have a uh, ball fade, please. <laughs> that, honestly, <laughs> you, you probably started something now. Robert's looking sheepy, sir, because Robert is a hairy guy. Yeah, I'm hairy on the parts of my body that I don't want to be hairy. I just, I miss having... This is, just, honestly, talking about barbers and things like that, I've not been to a barber for about five, six years because I've been, well, you know, I, I can't grow hair. Streamlined, though. Hey? Streamlined, faster on the pitch. Streamlined, oh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I've always like, I've always said if I had the money, I would do a Wayne Rooney. I would go and get a hair transplant because I miss my hair. I don't get me wrong, having a bald head is, it does have its advantages. You get up in the morning, you don't have to do your hair, it's boom, mm. out of the shower, quick dry, you're done. And uh, but I just miss that you know, when you go out and you want to make yourself look that bit much better, that's one thing that's missing for me. It's like, oh god, there's nothing I can do with that, is the great. So, yeah, always, but the thing is, as well, you can always accept, access the barbershop as well. You know, you, you should go and do it, you should treat yourself, go and have a head shave, line your beard up. You can even get them to wet shave your head, have that whole experience because it's really, you know, I think it's really important that as men we take some time to do those sort of things for ourselves because often we don't really we get caught up in work life you know work life home life traveling to and from like a lot of people go have a haircut because their hair needs to be shorter not because they want a haircut it's like oh it's too long it's touching my ears i need to get it cut actually that experience there it's it's a an acceptable way you know a comfortable way for men to go and have some time out and just spend a bit of like half hour 45 minutes conversation one-to-one with somebody and and just treat yourself really it's, it's funny they put that into perspective because i've never thought about it or that looked at it with that angle before so when i would go to the barbers i'd have that stigma of there's other people in the room i have to kind of just be quite quietly spoken to the barber to say yeah can i show up back in sides please um and just a bit off the top you know uh and you mentioned their wet shaving and the beard trim i would never have asked for that i would never have gone can I have my, my, my beard done? Um, until, you know, recently, one of the last barbers I went to said, do you want, to do, do you want me to do your eyebrows? Do you want me to do your beard? I was like, uh, y- y- yeah, yeah. Because I, I just assumed that's what males did this this day and age. So, but to go in there and say, can, I, can, I have a, can, I, can you bick my head? I just find there's a stigma attached to that saying, look, I, I'm, I'm in there just for a short back in sides. I, you know, that's just me personally when I visit the barbers. Well, yeah, but you can do so much more on, on, on offer now, Rob. You can have the 
you know, the hot towels and all that kind of thing. Get you get your like you say eyebrows done. I think it's difficult because I'm of an area where um, it took me a while to really to ask for anything other than a short back and sides at a bar. It was because I'm from an area where you go to the barber shop and it was two old geezers who, who were cutting your hair for a fiver of pop and and they might give you a bit of you know green looking gel and away 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 you pop 19p tesco brand only yeah, gel yeah exactly and away you pop and i think that mm. the whole experience now can be so much more than, than what it used to be you think that's it's an american thing that's came come across from america and barbershops in america Tom? you think it's something that's, that's you know what like um a few, a few years ago, when I was really started kicking off in the industry, doing stuff, being an educator, all that, traveling, I um, I was I was having this sort of conversation with people, sat at bars in God knows where, you know. Um, and I, that's what inspired me to write my first book, which was probably the hardest thing I ever did to that point. It literally drove me mad. It was just like a self-published one called The Barber Boom. And the idea was I was asking those questions to people, like, where do you think this has come from? Why is this barber boom happening? And, what's going and I think essentially, you know, what what kind of happened is that the fade game became very strong people wanted fades professional footballers professional athletes were getting these fades and hairdressers didn't know how to do them because hairdressers aren't taught clipper work the only people we can go to is barbers so all of a sudden there's this massive influx of men going back to barbers having these fades but of course then there's the combination of the fade on the side slightly longer different styles on top and it's kind of evolved it's pushed hairdressers to learn more about barbering and barbers to learn more about hairdressing so barbers are picking up the skills like and trying to upskill when they've got these loads of clients coming in so they're learning about coloring and styling and products and it's just grown exponentially in the last five years it's just massive and the lines between barbering and hairdressing are blurring so much um there's definitely different styles. European is so different to America. I do a lot of work. Well, I did do a lot of work in America. I spent a lot of time in different like Latino barber shops and Afro barber shops, different places like Chicago, Miami and all that. And their, their level is far more, I would say it depends. There's lots of different types of barbering, but they're like, they will do, there's a lot of stuff in that where they have, enhancements they call them so a beard dying they have like airbrushes where they spray on like hairlines and all this kind of stuff and really really high definition haircuts so i think there's definitely a space for like you're starting to see that a bit more over here but things are just definitely integrating and changing and offering different services bits from like the old school turkish barbershops are now coming into mainstream sort of just general i don't know barbershops or whatever and it, and it, people are taking things from each other and i think it's really interesting time really exciting time for the hair industry and they're being recognized more when i started out in the hair industry tony and guy barbers were looked down upon it was second rate if you were a barber oh they're mm-hmm. not very skilled they just use clippers they're not yeah but now i mean even places like tony and guy have their own barbering schools and classes and stuff now so it's a recognition so it's a great thing for, for great thing for barbering it's a great thing for men because it means men are able to go in there and have all these great services and why shouldn't we be able to have those services i mean hopefully that that progresses even further and we have uh we have you know more things within like men going to spas and having time to look after themselves and mental well-being is a big time because we kind of see our role as i'm i'm a worker I go out and I work and I make money and I do this. I think like you said a minute ago, Stuart, about your sort of role in your generation or whatever. I think we're in this kind of transitional generation. Yeah. You know, of our parents, we're very much like, this is a man, this is a woman, this is their role, this is what you do. And it was very sort of black and white. And the younger generation, younger than us, and I go and talk, talk at universities and stuff, they totally are like, yeah, get it, whatever, you know, mental health, cool, makeup, cool, whatever, cool, you know, that's fine. Whereas we're in the middle going, like, should I buy that lady a drink? Or does that upset them? Should I do this? And that's a lot of the guys that I speak to. That's where they're like, is it okay to wear makeup? Or is that, am I going to get the piss ripped out of me by my mates? And can I do this? Can I, oh, you got your eyebrows done then, mate. Have you had a nice one? You use a Sharpie for them. Or, do you know what I mean? As soon as, yeah. it's, it's this weird, like, it, treading on, like, is it okay? Is it not okay? In this middle generation, I think that's what I find when speaking to a lot of guys in our age group. That's what they hit with their mental health is struggling. They don't know where they stand. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely. Um, I've felt that a few times. I think I feel as though we're, I'm of the generation where I've got to be the one who's got to adapt because yeah. everybody who's before me, <laughs> for want of a better term, just, you know, massively really mad because they're not going to be here 
you know, for the next 30 years. And everyone who's younger than me of a certain age is just cool with everything. And it's like, yeah, yeah gender norms and, 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 you know, pronouns and all that kind of thing. And I'm kind of in the middle where I'm like, I've got to adapt and I feel as though you're constantly adapting. And some people embrace that and some people struggle yeah. with that. And that's where a lot of this kind of, um, I don't want to get into politics, but that's where a lot of this kind of identity politics comes from and all that kind of all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you're 100% right. It's, we would, I'm of the David Beckham kind of, I was only in my 20s when David Beckham was wearing a sarong. Yeah. You know? Um Breaking the stigma, though, wouldn't he? Yeah, you know? completely, he like, yeah. Brilliant. Completely. And, and and also having a different haircut, you know, every other week and, and, and looking after himself. And, and like, I moisturise. Like, my dad doesn't moisturise. He doesn't use moisturiser. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, but it's all it's all involving. It's all moving forward. And I think it's, I think things do change. And I think I've got two little boys. I want them to get to the point where, when they're eighteen, nineteen, whatever, the, the mental health thing isn't even a conversation. It's just a thing. It's not. I mean, it's not like oh, we need to talk about our mental health. It's just people just do that anyway, and they're comfortable around that. And I think we are moving towards those kind of things. And like you know, I always say, you know, it's it's funny because we. With no one likes to be labelled, but everyone wants to fit into a group, and we're trying to and, we, and we're trying to get rid of these labels by creating more labels. And I think it'd be just so. You know, when I try and talk to my boys and stuff. I'm like, right, you're Abel and you're Drake. Just be you. Do you know what I mean? If you like, and I think you know, I think sometimes we try and pigeonhole ourselves too much. It can make life difficult because we feel like we've got to be that thing that we've decided we were when we were 18. I mean, I've changed so much since I was 18. Christ, I used to get people ripping to me because one minute I was dressed like old school punk, next minute I was like emo scene kid next minute I was like you know trendy kind of yeah you know, I was always changing and evolving and moving forward and I think it's really important to do that and like you know if you if you fancy him over there this week but you fancy her next week and today you want to wear a dress and tomorrow you want to wear makeup but the next day you want to wear a shirt and tie like who really cares I mean yeah. if it should be just like let's just be our individual self and not try and limit ourselves too much I think it's just just accepting for who it, it, each individual is I think that's the that's the key and I think it's it, it, like you say it's hard it's a it's a transitional period isn't it a real and lots of changes we live in the most accepting like like time ever you know it's just it is incredible where we are now the things that are going on and the acceptance and the and the education the inclusion diversity I just think it's I think it's brilliant I think we are moving forward and I think it's up to us in our age groups you know this middle transitional generation to be open-minded about things and try and be more accepting about stuff and i saw you know even little things like today as the other day i saw on twitter everyone's kicking off i saw mr potato head was trending on twitter and it's because they've taken the mister off and it's just potato head and i was like at first i was like what like they have a mrs potato head and i thought actually do you know what like if they just call the potato head and have the missus and missus mr and missus in there anyway all the bits and pieces and does it really really matter i mean i that's, I mean, my boys have got a Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head and they've been, those those potatoes have been transgender since the day they got them because they're always swapping and changing them around and that. It doesn't really matter, does it, to be honest with you? No. It's, and it's and it is always, it's always a storm and a teacup in it because people just yeah. jump on it and it, yeah, I, I see that in a week and I was like, damn potato, <laughs> Yeah. But it's, it's great marketing by uh, Mr. Potato Head or whoever, Hasbro, whoever it is that owns them, because everyone's talking about who was the last. When was the last time everyone was talking about Mr. Potato Head? So, it is, yeah, it's great for them. But I just think you know things like that, and, and also like you say, people kicking off. I think this time in lockdown, everybody's stuck on their phones. Everyone's engulfed in this, in this sort of like. There's a lot of hate and a lot of anger and a lot of bad energy and a lot of people everyone has their voice and opinion everyone's putting it out there and everyone and i think you can get sucked into it and i think a lot of people are getting sucked into these sort of these conversations and you think why am i getting angry about i don't know about whatever it is something it could be a miss potato head like people will be getting angry about that and you know, i looked at some of the comments i'm like it doesn't really matter why are you getting sucked into this like long debate people getting really dumb though isn't it yeah People are generally angry at the moment as well because we because we're like locked caged lions, aren't we? I mean, it's just literally so people are just biting at anything and and really going for it. So I think there's a lot of that's been that's been amplified as well. But I also think you know it's, it, 
it can be such a negative place. And I think I, I did an inclusion and diversity training in during lockdown as well, because I wanted to learn more. I mean, I live in Torquay in Devon. I'm from Maidstone in Kent, which was much more diverse when I was in primary school, but I lived in Torquay in Devon, which is not diverse at all. And I wanted to try and educate myself on stuff. And it was really interesting to find out these things and, and find out that opened my mind to different things. I think it's really important that we should all be doing that as well. What does man v fat mean to you? Who's waiting to enjoy a game of football? Mental health camaraderie. Friends, football, fat loss. Reverse my diabetes. Big, sweaty, fun. Life-changing football. Better and healthy lifestyle. Good competitive sport. Teamwork, banter and weight loss. Create a winning mentality to lose fat. Hard work regime and football. It means sustainable weight loss. Don't let the boys down and don't let yourself down. Man v fat. Way, play, lose, win. Yeah. yeah. If someone said something recently, it was, um, you know, with the keyboard warriors as well, it's someone said something like, you know, a scientist will send a rocket to space and people applaud. But as soon as you say something about a virus, oh, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? They don't know anything. Yeah. But in, and it's, it's, it's just like, you know, you're accepting facts, but then you're dismissing facts on somebody who's um, educated in that field. So why 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 would you why would you do that? Um, and and it, it just it stems a whole long list of just shit. <laughs> For want of a better yeah, word. Yeah. you have to you have to very much. I mean, you have to protect yourself a little bit from social media. Yeah, and you have to, so you you've got a, your own you've got to think all the time. It's not actually real life. We wouldn't have be having. I know for a fact I wouldn't be having these conversations in a pub with people who yeah. I'm acquainted with. I think. No. I think. Go on, I was going to say. I think in, just 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 like into the pub scenario. I think uh, I was watching Mark the Week and somebody um, made an analogy of if Facebook was a pub and he went through all different things. And you wouldn't even have a, you wouldn't even buy a drink there. Go in. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go even in. go in. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know. go in because if Facebook was a pub, it'd be like, oh, it's a bit shit, isn't it? So, and that's yeah. and that's it. When you actually do put it in real life perspective like that, it's a horrible place. Well, it's a lot of people just share without even reading. They just see a headline and they share this news. How new? Fake news and all the rest of it. I know, like that term's a bit like cliche now but there's a lot of stuff and, and the thing is the internet anyone can write i could write up a blog about whatever i wanted and give it a fancy headline and people can share it and claim it as news and claim it as legit and i mean how much research do you have to people say i've done research and it's like what well, you googled it and read the first two articles it's not really do you know what i mean and then they put all this stuff out there and there's a lot of conflict in there. i think it's amazing that we all have a voice i think it's fantastic that we all have a voice and we can do it out there but it's also about you know how we project that voice. The internet is a bit like when the microphone was first invented, you know, it was enabled us to sing to hundreds more people. If you're a good singer, if you're crap, then you just get a hundred people going to hear you as opposed to one. But then, I mean, it's the same with the internet, isn't it? If you put good content out there, it's fantastic. And if you let good stuff into your, you know, your life, we're a product of our environment. If we surround ourselves with positive, you know, uh, motivational, reassuring things, then we'll get better. We'll, we'll behave better. If we surround ourselves with negativity all the time, it just drains us. It, we are a product of our, uh, our environment, but we also, you know, when it comes to control, this is, I mean, it's, I've, I read about this a little while ago, but it's, you know, the only thing that we have control over is our thoughts and our actions. Everything outside of that is completely out of our control, completely random, which is a little bit scary. Because like you think, shit, I've got no control over anything else ever, even though we think we have sort of control. I mean, I definitely don't have control over my children. But, you know, it's, it's one of these things. That, and actually, when we, when we realise that also, it's quite liberating because I have control over how I react to other people's thoughts and actions as well. And I have control over how much news I digest and what news I digest. And I have the control over my PPE and my social distancing, but I don't have control over... Jeff and Janet's next door. So I'm not going to worry about theirs. I'm going to worry about mine. And if we all did that, you know, if we all worried about ourselves and even looked after those in our small circles, then I think it would make a massive difference because I can't do anything about something going on, you know, in the next town, people kicking off about it, but I can focus on the Lions Barber Collective. I can focus on training barbers to help people with mental health. I can focus on my family. I can focus on my PPE and my social distancing. And I, and I can try and make a difference there. And I think that's really important sometimes to remember. Um, and also, you know, saying about our control and our own thoughts and actions, no one else's. If someone 
gives, gives abuse at me, calls me something, I can decide whether I carry that with me for the next you know, 12 days or I can let it go. And there's, a, there's an interesting story about two, uh, if I don't mind me telling it quickly, about two monks. Uh, it's quite a good analogy. And there's these two monks walking along by a riverside and there's a woman by the side of the river, all dressed in a nice outfit. Um, and she's trying to get across the river. The monks are not allowed to touch women. They've sworn an oath. This woman's really upset, wants to get across. And one of the monks says, okay, look, get on my shoulders and we'll walk across the river. So we get to across the river, she thanks him, and off she goes. The two monks walk back to the monastery, and one of the monks who didn't help the woman keeps on going on at him. I can't believe you've done that. You've broke your oath. You're, you're a disgrace. You're this. And obviously goes on. They sit at dinner that night. The monk keeps going on at him. They go to bed. They wake up the next morning at breakfast, and he's still having a go at this monk for carrying this lady. And the monk says, hasn't said anything to him yet, but turns and says to him, that I carried that woman across the river, but you've carried her all the way home to the monastery, carried her through your sleep and you're still carrying her now. It's time to let go. And I think that's quite a good analogy of these things. You know, look, we do something and we carry it with us or, you know, I think sometimes we need to let these things go and, and move on. Because a lot of the time, you know, other people have, have, <laughs> don't even remember it. I know people that will go, oh, you see someone out in town and go, oh, I hate that bloke over there. He's all right, whatever. And you go, really? Why? Why? What's he done? He said, like, well, back in year seven, he nicked my lunch and did this. And you think, come on, mate, we're like 45 now. What are you going on about? You know, um, but you know, people do carry those things and that only hurts them. That bloke probably didn't even remember nicking your lunch in year seven. Do you know what I mean? So that, that's the, the idea behind controlling our own thoughts and emotions, you know? It's also finding the outlet because I carry a, like a few things on my shoulders that I'm trying to get rid of. And me and Stu have had countless conversations, um, and I just I can it's to the point now that I can just hear my own voice, um, and I'm just sick of talking about it. But then it's like, how do I get rid of it? Um, and it just all stems back to my old job. Um, yeah. So, but it's but like as Stu rightly said, Rom, it's your old job. It's not the job yeah. you're in now. Just just you know, um, it's just I think it's just because it made me into something I was I, I was. It made me hate myself, if you know what I mean. But I think just trying to find a way to just let it go. It doesn't help that my missus actually works for the same company. No, <laughs> so, yeah. um, but, but like I said, well, her experience and your experience is not the same. Exactly, exactly. Everyone's yeah. experiences are different. Mm. Yeah. So I think, That's it. yeah. So for, for me, it's just finding that kind of just like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm not even going to put it in the box. I'm just going to throw it into the sea um, and then and crack on because um, it's just keep holding me back from something. Yeah, that's all it really does, doesn't it? It's like a sort of uh, anchor around your, around your, around your legs, just pulling you down all the time. And it's something that I think that's really important. Is we spend something we could all do a bit more, and myself included, is um, being present in the moment, being present in our lives. Now we spend a lot of time worrying or regretting about stupid stuff we've done in the past. Uh, thinking I should have done this, I should have done that. Oh my god, I can't believe that happened. But you know, we've dealt with that. That, that didn't kill us. That didn't end us. We've dealt with that. We've done it. We got, we've got over that already by being here now. We've already got over that. And actually, you know, we spend a lot of time worrying about making up stuff about what will happen in the future. This may happen. That may happen. Oh my God, this is going to happen to me if I do that. And no, and actually, do you know what? We don't know about anything about the future, but we can actually look at, we can project positivity into that. Um, I know it's difficult in times, but we can think positive about it. But most importantly, we need to think about the now, what we're doing now, what we how enjoying these moments, enjoying this time and trying to be present a little bit more often. And yeah, I, I suppose everyone's heard of mindfulness now because it's bloody everywhere and there's apps and all sorts of stuff you can do. But you know, mindfulness doesn't have to be sitting there cross-legged with I don't know, Tibetan chanting going on in the background and incense, you know, sticks. But it can it can be anything about being in that moment like when you go for your walk next time instead of having your headphones in on tinder or grinder or whatever you're on why you just have just have you know nothing on put your phone in your pocket walk and go am i walking on gravel am i walking on grass is it muddy is it wet is it cold is it sunny can i hear birds can i and actually be in that moment because we're so i mean especially phones we're so distracted all the time so distracted and we think we're busy and we think we're interacting and we think we're actually we're not we're just mindlessly doom scrolling a lot of the time but i think you know it's really important to just be mindful mindful and even things like um a good comp comparison that we talk about when we do the training is think about when you watch netflix at home it's really it's a soundtrack to or it doesn't have to be netflix be whatever you want i'm not sponsored by netflix amazon prime or disney plus you've got um 
you're on your phone most of the time and you're talking to your missus or your kids or your mates or housemates, whatever, you're not actually watching anything. You don't actually watch stuff now at home because so many different uh, diversions and distractions. And, and think about that compared to when you go to the cinema and you go to the cinema, everything's turned off and you actually watch the film and the difference in that and how you enjoy that. And I think just doing things like that, I mean, obviously you can't go to cinema right now, but turn everything off and watch a film by yourself or with your other half or your housemates or whatever, whoever, and just do that. Or I don't know, playing PlayStation or something, but actually playing PlayStation rather than, you know, getting distracted. So those things are a form of mindfulness as well. Cause you're, you're mindful. You're in the moment. You know, it's like me trying to play against my five-year-old at Mario Kart and getting thrashed every time thinking, I'm sure I used to be much better at this. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> That's you know, completely, completely right. We've had discussions before about, you know, how a lot of outlet, particularly um, from where we come from with when we fight football and, and, and whatnot, is being in the moment and, and football and being in the stadium. Yeah. Because it probably ticks a couple of them boxes. It, it, for most people, it's, it ticks the box of being in the moment and watching the game. And it also ticks the box of having that collective experience as well. Yeah. It's a huge Massive. one that... I know a lot of lads uh, and, and women will be struggling not not being able to get to watch a live game of football. It's funny we were talking about this. We were talking about this yesterday. I did a, a well recorded for my podcast. Uh, Barber Talk Tales from the Chair available on Spotify and iTunes everywhere. Shameless plug. Um, but we did an interview with somebody yesterday. And we were talking about he's a Crystal Palace fan. Um, and he was saying about that and we were talking about that tribe that community and we need to one of the things one of the five steps to mental well-being is connecting with others and that's really important and that tribal thing of being at a football match and everyone supporting the same team everyone wearing the same colors i mean crush you have two 25 stone blokes shirtless hugging and crying when their teams run that won the cup or lost the cup or whatever maybe that outside of a football stadium would be considered unacceptable and weird wouldn't it you know if it blokes started doing that in the pub you'd be like okay what's going on over there but inside that inside that football stadium the sporting events is such an amazing emotional connection between men um which i think we need to it's a religious uh, experience i I see it as a religious experience i genuinely don't but i would put it on that level of of being um particularly when you're there every week and I know that, that my old man's been going to Old Trafford for, you know, 50 odd years and he's not been able to go for the longest period of his life. Yeah. And he's struggling. He's struggling because he's not got, you know, A, he's not got the routine of, of going home, away, all that kind of thing. B, he's not got that collective experience. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost cult-like, isn't it, really? Yeah, completely. Yeah, completely. Yeah, walking around in all, you're paying 80 quid for a T-shirt, uh, walking around in the colours, you know, as a grown man with a... You know I mean, it, yeah. it is, it, it, but it's also, it's just that, it's that instant, it's like, you know, like if you're walking down the street and you see a bloke in the same colours or the same football shirt as your team, and there's that instant nod appreciation there's that instant bond there isn't there and i think you get we liken that to um you know like band t-shirts if there's someone who's got if you're into music and you've got to say see someone in the pub who's got the same band t-shirt on of a band that you like um, and that's something that's actually driven us towards we're, we're launching it soon hopefully um a uh our own clothing line basically called uh raw materials uh which is raw as in the lion obviously raw um but the idea of that is it's a mental health it's a 100 non-profit everything's going back to the charity. Um, but the idea is it's, it's not one of these mental health brands. It's like, like I'm bipolar or it's okay not to be okay. And all that, you know, two in your face. It's one of those things where the lion symbol on it will hopefully over time become that kind of thing. You know, it's like that you're part of the pride. You're part of the pride of lions. And as you walk down the street, you can nod or you know that that person is either has suffered, is a, is a safe space, has been through it, is a survivor, all those kind of things. And that's something that we're trying to do at the moment with launch it. But I think that's so important what you're saying about that tribal. We need our tribe. Hello, Stuart here from the Memory Fat Podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you like this episode and want to hear more like them, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. Hit subscribe and turn on your notifications to make sure you're always up to date. We do. Yeah. There's a slogan for you. Proud to be pride. There you go. Proud to be pride. There you go. That's a good one. It's good. We've done uh, what the, the tagline that we've got at the moment is wear your mind on your sleeve.
Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Really so yeah, well, well, you know I mean, it's just I think those things, you know, those little things where we have that little connection. There's something that feels really good, you know. I mean, I can remember I was in, in bands, really into bands and obscure bands as well. And you'd be in the pub and you see someone with a shirt of like, I don't know, whoever it may be, F minus shirt in the corner. And you go up to them and say, oh, mate, I love your shirt. Like, and, then, and then instantly you'd have a friendship there. Or if someone said it to you, yeah. if someone said, oh, I love that band, you'd be like, oh, right, yeah, cool. And you've got that, you've got that instant reaction and instant connection, which yeah. is strange, isn't it? It kind of, it doesn't matter who they are, anything else about them. When you know you've got that in common, there's just a bond there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Exactly. It's, it's really important. Just to go back on, on something you said earlier, Tom, um, about um, the Lions Barber Collective and asking the right questions. Yeah. What, what do you think that, if, 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 if you think that one of your friends is struggling mentally, what, what kind of questions can you, can you ask as a friend to try and, and help that person through? And obviously, you know, ultimately... Getting professional health is, is the ultimate kind of kind of goal or, or, or the ultimate kind of um, step, really. But what what can you do as a friend between, because particularly lads, particularly, yeah. particularly fellas, what's the kind of questions you can ask? Joe, we're pretty crap at this kind of thing, aren't we? And that's why we that's why we're trying to do this. We're not good at the the talking or the. I think Joe, what I think we're I think we are all good at recognizing when somebody isn't going for is going through something or isn't isn't right although we tell ourselves that we're not because we're scared to ask the questions because we're scared of what the answer may be and we're not in a place or capable of dealing with the answer if it is bad um and i think that's that's reasonably quite that's quite selfish really isn't it that's us that's us being scared we're not, we might say oh, we're scared scared for them we don't want to upset them but actually we're scared for ourselves um to, yeah, like I say, we're, we're upset. We're scared of upsetting people, so we make that excuse as well. But I think it's really easy to recognise when someone's not going through something because essentially, when it comes down to it, we just need to recognise the change in people's behaviour. If someone is, you know, not coming out as much or going out too much or, you know, they cut, they haven't been they haven't been for the football, when, when we can play football again, they haven't been playing for ages. They used to come every week or they're training like five times a week more than they used to, or any drinking too much, sleeping too much, not enough. Any of those things that we, is a change in their behavior is a sign that something's happened. And those, that change in behavior is a sign for us to be able to opportunity for us to ask a question. And we need to ask those questions as much as possible. And it's things like we said earlier on, are you all right, mate? That's not a question. That's a hello. And we'll go, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, about back and forth for like 10 times before we even go on with a conversation. And we, we sometimes we use that as a tick box and go, well, I did ask them if they're all right. But we all know that's not a question to say, no, mate, I'm really struggling. Because if you went down the street and went, you're right, mate? No, mate, I'm having a really tough time. You'd be like, well, I'm not ready for that. I wasn't, yeah. Yeah, sorry, mate, I've got to go. I've got to get a bus or whatever it may be. And then you left them hanging. So I think it's about asking questions. Like, yeah, you can do the you're right, mate thing first if you want, but then you can say, look, you're not, you're not yourself, Stuart. How are you feeling? How have you been recently? Things like that. How are you feeling? If you add time frames on it and add names as well. So if I said, how are you feeling today, Stuart? Or how are you feeling? Yeah, how are you feeling today, Stuart? How have you been recently? How have you been since the last time I saw you, Stuart? Things like that, as opposed to, you're right, mate. You actually need to give that person permission to talk um, and think about questions that, you would like to be asked that would you would make you think well this person wants to listen to me and i think we need to ask those questions and ask them in a in a safe environment as well that's why the barbershop works it's normally, although there's lots of people in the shop it's normally one-to-one we're in a little bubble but you know try not to do it you know in front of all your mates down the pub you know people are, oh, come on mate keep it light we're trying to have a drink here i mean go for a walk and ask someone yeah how, how have you been i've noticed you're not yourself recently is there anything going on? And letting people know, look, if you want to talk to me, if even if they say, no, no, I'm fine, let people know, look, if you want to talk to me, I'm here. Give me a text. Give me a whatever, you know, a shout on whatever it may be, whatever platform. Yeah, but there's a guy I spoke to recently who said him and his mates have a thing saying emergency pint and then the name of the pub or the coffee shop. Well, it's just emergency pint is the term. And I think that's kind of quite nice. You know, they know this group of friends Emergency pint means I need to talk to somebody about something. And a lot of the time it's about how we react 
to these questions as well. So if you say, if you say to somebody, a lot of the time, men have got really good at pretending to be okay. Because when we do open up, people, oh, no, no, you'll be all right, mate. You'll be fine. You have another drink. Or, oh, no, I need you to be the strong one now. Or all these other things. Um, but when in this transitional period, like you are saying, I'm honest you, about like, we're encouraging people to open up and talk. But then when they do, they're getting shut down because people are scared. Like, oh, I don't, I'm not comfortable with men talking about their feelings, actually. Um, so it's about, you know, if you do ask people these questions, when it's a reaction as well. And if you don't know what to say, tell them you don't know what to say, but be prepared to listen. We don't have to fix or solve anything because we like fixing and solving. We like going, well, put that in the box. We fix them now, off they go. But actually, you know, say, look, I don't understand how you feel because I'm not you, but I'm here to listen. If you want to tell me, and hopefully we can try and come up with a solution. And a lot of the time, well, I know that we all know really what we need to do to solve the problems in our lives. I know through lockdown, I ate too much food and didn't go to the gym. So I know that I need to get off my fat ass and get out there and do some exercise of some shape or form and eat less food. But if someone else tells you to do that, you're like, you know, first thing you're on dial on just eat or whatever, or doing a takeaway. And it's, and it's really hard that you don't need to tell people what to do often giving someone that platform. Once you've asked this question, giving someone that platform, to be able to talk and not jumping in with your own opinions or your own experiences uh, and asking them like, so how does that make you feel? Do you want to tell me more about that? Because we never get that op opportunity in life, do we? It's always back and forth conversation, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And also if you suspect that someone is suicidal, ask them. If someone's saying things like, I can't go on, I've had enough. I just don't want to be here anymore. You might brush it off, go, Oh, come on, mate, you'll be all right. But actually that's a really big, you know, flag there saying, please help me. Um, and ask them, are you suicidal? Do you have a plan? Because those, there's been extensive research. That question does not cause suicide. I've asked that question. Everyone I've asked that question to is still alive today. Eight out of 10 people who attempt suicide and, and fail are glad they're still alive. Suicide is preventable. And it's really important to ask that question. And if someone does say, yes, I am, Obviously, that's scary, but actually, you've probably just saved their life by asking them that. Be prepared to listen. Again, don't tell them you know how they feel, but you're here to listen. Don't try and fix and solve them. Let them talk, but also at the end of that, try and keep yourself and them safe. Create a plan with them. Say things like, you know, shall we call your brother and get him to come? I'm not, I don't feel safe letting you go home by yourself. Or worst case scenario, you can call an ambulance, you can call police. Um, if you're looking and struggling for resources that are available, go to hubofhope.co.uk or pickle.org and they have loads of resources. that you, It's like a directory you put in your location and they come up with loads of different things. They're both absolutely amazing resources. But again, ask those questions. Ask how you feel in today, Stuart. If you, if you've been, I've noticed you're not yourself. Is there anything you want to talk to me about? Questions like that, giving people permission to talk and then listen, just shut up and listen, let them listen, That's, let them talk. Sorry. Give them that opportunity. Mm, that's one thing that in, in terms of letting them talk, um, I'm part of a mental health group. And that's one thing that they say, you know, don't, don't ask questions. You know, just let them let them process the mind. Because essentially, that's what they're doing—the process in the mind. Because right, they don't know how to communicate. Um, they just they just want to offload verbally, and that's all you can do is just is just take everything in for the good of them for for the good of them. Um, the other thing I wanted to just ask you as well is um, part of this one's mental health group that I'm with. Um, there can also be um, possible triggers um, for like, you know, if you are asking questions about suicide, some people can be triggered that way. So how would you go about if, if, if you, you thought that the more you talk about suicide, the more that's going to trigger them into doing it. Now, I know, I know you've said that everybody you've talked to um, is still alive today, which is fantastic. Um, but I know that some, 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 some people might just go, well, actually, I'm, I'm a good person, so I'm going to help this person with suicide uh, prevention. Um, but they're asking complete wrong questions. Uh, and the, the more they talk about it, the more they're just triggering them. Do you think that's... Do you think that's... Um, there's, so there's been extensive research done into that, and there's no, there's no sort of like... <laughs> Thing, nothing to say that talking about suicide caused it, although there is things that 
if somebody is feeling suicidal and there's like you have to be careful around media and advertising like there's a bus going past of like suicide pandemics and suicide and all this all over it then that would be like they, that might be a trigger to them a sign to them maybe they won't think um there's been lots of research into media as well with suicide like you it's about how it's about how we talk about suicide how we talk about these things, how the stories we tell around suicide is really important. If you, um, so for example, if you mention suicide and you mention method, uh, means, location, you uh, sensationalize it, those stories will cause two extra deaths by suicide in the following 12 months. If it's a celebrity, it's eight deaths. So, you know, it's far more impactful. If you tell stories about somebody who took their life, but they were a great person, they were fantastic. We miss him, we loved him or her. And uh, those stories are quite neutral as long as there's a positive around the life of that person. And they're not talking about means and method and sensationalizing it at all. And then if we tell positive stories around uh, survivors, and that includes like, you know, mental health survivors and stuff like that, and they've gone on to go and live a, a you know, wife, kids, job, successful life, whatever we want to picture that as those sort of stories actually prevent two suicides a year so it's really important to have a really good good positive stories around mental health is so impactful uh, out there but i think if you're if you i wouldn't go around suicide is a is a taboo subject obviously i think it's important that we're not just going around like suicide suicide all the time everywhere i think there's a lot of negativity when it comes to things like uh, self-harm and suicide online as well glamorizing things again that's sensationalizing it but i think there's nothing wrong with asking somebody if someone's saying if you really suspect you've asked someone how they're feeling and they're talking about things and saying there's just no hope if you ask someone what have you got coming up what you're looking forward to and they say nothing i've got nothing coming up nothing those are those are seriously dark places and asking someone if they're suicidal and do they have a plan isn't going to make them make them think oh that's a great idea that's how i'm going to end it uh, or but yeah and i've had to ask that question a few times and people have said no i'm not i think thank god for that you know and people are scared to ask that question in case they get upset or offended but you know, if someone gets upset or offended if you ask me if they're suicidal i would just say look i really care about you i don't really i don't want you to die and i'm here for you if you need to talk to me if you are suicidal then let me know i'm here to listen to you or there's all these fantastic resources out there that are there for you um I can't imagine anyone being too pissed off. You don't want them to die. So I think it's, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's really, really is an important question to ask people. I think we need to, we need to be prepared to ask it, but first we just need to ask, that'll be minimal cases. First need to ask, how are you feeling? How have you been? Have you got anything coming up? What are you looking forward to? You're not yourself. Do you want to talk to me and providing those safe spaces? Because by doing that, we will, prevent ill mental health for a lot of people because we're providing safe space for people to come and whinge and moan about stuff because that's what a lot of it is it's about the build-up of i don't know hating your job debt family stuff i don't know whatever it may be it's that build-up but build not letting it not letting any steam off and then it all just an explosion any mental health and i had that conversation with a um, occupational therapist reasonably recently who said what you're doing with alliance bible collective is fantastic because you're preventing people from coming to me because they're getting they're getting this two weekly four weekly six weekly offload of whatever they're carrying around with them onto you but by the time they get to her she was saying they've normally lost their job they've lost their family they've lost their house they're normally an addict and that's the only time when it gets to the point where they can get that help with the occupational therapist and by that time it's such a steep hill to climb a lot of them don't get out of it so it doesn't it won't be that question of suicide all the time that'll probably be rare. I mean, and I'm in the, f I, I put myself out there all the time. I mean, I can't go to the pub when we can go to the pub again with my mates without three or four people coming up to me and going, you're the bloke that does the mental health stuff, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, that's right. Well, and they'll tell me everything. And I, and I mean, I put myself out there and I've only had to ask that question a fair, you know, a fair few times, but you know, for someone who's constantly talking about suicide and mental health and yeah, being an advocate for it, I think a lot of the time it's just going to be that, look out for your mates ask them a question let them know you're there and if we all do that for each other it's gonna make a huge impact on the nation's mental health definitely definitely mm. sam thank you for joining us in this podcast we will 100 we'll um we'll catch up again with you sometime further down the line and you can tell us um about what lions barbers have been up to uh over the yeah. last few months if anyone wants to check you out lions barber collective where can they where can they find information 
We're on all the uh, social media platforms. If you look for the Lions Barbers, and then also if you go to lionsbarbercollective.com, there's uh, loads of stuff on the website. You can watch our film, the 1.7 million pound haircut on Amazon and on Amazon Prime. And we just launched that reasonably recently on YouTube as well. So if you haven't got Amazon Prime, you can watch it on YouTube. But if you have got Amazon Prime, please do watch it on there because it gives a kickback donation to the charity. Um, and um, my books are available on Amazon as well if you Google me. Excellent. Brilliant. Nice one. Thank you so much, boys. I really, really enjoyed being here and chatting to you. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to have a, a Lions Man versus Fat event. We can have a bit of a kickabout and cut some air and, I don't know, have a bit of a laugh. Definitely. Actually see other humans other than heads and shoulders. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It would be nice, wouldn't it? Just to be in a room with somebody would, would be, would be, I'd say that right now. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'm in. Excellent. Tom, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with episode 10 soon.